Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. This is Jared. I'm joined by Lucas, Wyatt, Aiden, and Bart. Let's just jump straight into news we missed, as we always do. Uh, Starting off a little somber, actually. Bill Russell passed away last week. The league retired his number, number six, and is the first ever league-wide retired jersey. Rest in peace to Bill Russell. One of the coolest ever. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. well-deserved. Seems like a good reason to have a league-wide retired jersey. Or be the first one. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, totally deserved. So the people that still have it can keep it, right? It's just nobody new can take on six, right? Right. Is how it works. Okay. Like LeBron. Gosh. LeBron can still wear <laughs> it. Uh-huh. Could he? He's 23, isn't he? No, he's, no, he's, he's six, six now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anthony Davis is 23 now. I wouldn't have hated him saying sixers have to change. Yeah. But what number would LeBron have been then? He's only ever been six and 23. Would have had to pick a new one? Hmm. You know, when 80s hurt, can LeBron just switch to 23? (laughs) Most of the season. Inevitably, yes. (laughs) Day-to-day Davis. Um, In NFL news, Kareem Hunt has requested a trade from the Cleveland Browns. Is still attending team activities at the time that this was written. I'm not sure. Has that changed, or are we still on track? No, he's still there. His holdout didn't even last a day. He he requested a trade, and then he he showed up the next day. (laughs) Nice. Mm. He's a pro. He's a hold in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Other news, Roquan Smith has requested a trade from the Bears after failed contract negotiations as well. Apparently that franchise is kind of a mess right now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean. Since 1985. (laughs) They were good in the Trubisky Trubisky years. Once they traded Trubisky, it went downhill. Uh, Okay, Jared. (laughs) Um, in baseball news, sorry, this is jumping around from sports. Baseball news: Fernando Tatis Jr. was suspended eighty games, right, for a PED violation. Um, apparently, he was taking some medication to treat ringworm, and it was on the banned substance list or something. So, I feel like there was there's like a decent amount of like kind of fallout and backlash from it because he's like a young rising star. It's he's not like one of the like 35 year olds that are trying to like prolong their career so yeah. anybody else have thoughts on it i feel like it's, it's always sport. like <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. i feel like i'm always intrigued to see the explanations that they come up with when they test mm-hmm. positive for peds yeah, like it's always yeah. like some random medication or some like thing that wouldn't yeah. you know you'd typically use that hasn't in it Mm-hmm. And I'm never sure what to believe because it does seem like, based on their explanations, there are a lot of things that contain these banned substances. But then that might also just be why they're saying it's these things, you know? Yeah. Because initially, know. when the news came out, there was a lot, and he said that it was for ringworm. A lot of doctors came out and were like, "Oh, this there is no, there are no treatments approved in the U.S. for using that and treating ringworm or stuff similar to it." But then I feel like stuff came out in a follow-up that there are things outside the U.S. And there was the picture of him with ringworm. So it's like, I I don't know what to say. That would have been yeah. pretty intense if he was trying to <laughs> get 
get ringworm for the sake of anyway but yeah uh, exactly. or something like that yeah um, so i, I don't know and the thing believe, about but... ringworm is like it's pretty evident when it happens yeah so like you know like if there's evidence then i believe him yeah yeah i feel like it wouldn't be as big a deal if it wasn't for the fact that he keeps doing things that make the padres mad in general like he had a fight last that? year with machado right oh. um in the, in the dugout that was pitch. big yeah he swung at a 3-0 pitch the worst thing you could <laughs> possibly do you know he flipped his bat um but no his injury right now is from like motors a motorcycle accident he's apparently had multiple of those that have caused issues and the way that the padres like his teammates talked about it they clearly like don't respect him or think he's immature like everyone on the team was pretty much clearly disappointed and not making excuses for him or anything like that and saying that he needs to kind of grow up to some degree even the general manager said that and you're talking about like mm-hmm. the guy you just you know you're invested a ton of money in. you're not trying to mm-hmm. make him mad per se but um yeah the attitude around him kind of shows what the opinion of uh his peers is i guess yeah good for the mets though <laughs> good for the mets yeah. uh, <laughs> um all right, let's just go to college football. Why not? The AP poll came out. Alabama, shockingly, came out as the number one team. Ohio State, number two. Guaranteed to have a, lo- a loss on their schedule, but number two. Georgia, number three. Clemson, fourth. And Notre Dame, fighting Irish at five. Go Irish. So there's at least a top five win on Notre Dame's schedule. Two, actually. So. Yeah, Notre Dame's schedule is pretty difficult it's this brutal year. Brutal this year, yeah. <laughs> With BYU, USC, Clemson, and Ohio State, yeah, like they can be a very good team and still go eight and four this year, which is yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, we'll talk about them later. I'm sure they're going to be very um, good if they went eight and four. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the same yeah, yeah. as Ohio State playing a cupcake Big Ten schedule and going eleven. <laughs> Northwestern, come yeah, on, come Notre Dame doesn't play this type of Rutgers, game. Rutgers, Maryland. This is what you wanted. The this, is, this is the whole pitch of we don't we don't stay in a division because we can play whoever we want to. Yeah, we're not we're not shying away from it. We're not shying away from it. Eight and four. Seven, Ohio seven State's five. other. All I'm saying is that Ohio State's Big Ten game, non Big Ten games that aren't against Notre Dame are against Arkansas State and Toledo. There you go. Mm-hmm. Not traditional powers. Never mind that Notre Dame plays Marshall and UNLV. Irrelevant well, to the to the conversation. But, big br- big brands though. Big brands. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now to the real football. Just kidding. NFL football. Zach Wilson is going to be out two to two to four weeks uh, with some a bone bruise, and apparently his surgery is like very high profile. In terms of people following it, even though we don't even know if he's that good yet, but um, that's news. <laughs> I was there when it happened. Yeah. You you were there. Yeah, I was there when it happened. Yeah, so and he had when time to throw an interception right before. Hurt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is gonna be a bad season for the Jets when he threw his interception like his third pass of the year or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And then some Jets player took a cheap shot at Jalen Hurts. Not oh. good. Mm. Yeah, you gotta protect Yikes. him. Jalen Hurts looked good, right? He looked great. Yeah, he looked really, oh, really good. They had to stop Dark Horse from, uh, MVP. Charge the field, yeah. defending. <laughs> <Jalen> Hurts <laughs> honored. I, I was ready to all the way from like the the upper deck. Yeah. I was ready. <laughs> Lucas broke. Yeah, yeah. Is, is responsible for Zach Wilson's injury. Yeah, I did. I, I, I was defending <laughs> Jalen Hurts' honor in the night, so I went down and injured. Local Zach hero, Lucas. <laughs> Local <Yeah>. hero. <laughs> 
Speaking of cheap shots, Lucas told me before the show, show that, quote, some guy from Liverpool headbutted someone else. Explain, Lucas. <laughs> what a groundbreaking story. <laughs> yeah. So Darwin Nunez, who plays for Liverpool, who's just signed this offseason for like a $100 million transfer fee is what they paid for him, which is a, which is a lot of money. Um, supposed to be very good. He played all right in their first game. He had a goal and an assist. And then in their second game of this season uh, on Monday, he got a little angry at a defender being physical with him and headbutted him and subsequently got immediately kicked out of the game. So the headbutting trend in soccer continues of guys just getting angry and headbutting other people. because they can't so. use their hands. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know, but the fact that there was... are two instances of it, you know. Yeah, wasn't there like the whole um Suarez biting thing back yeah. in the day? Like what is it with it. them? Yeah, yes, they really will bite. not use their hands. It's kind of funny. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's funny. It's not about money, it's about sending a message. Uh exactly. Carmelo Anthony though. Is going for some money, producing a four-part documentary about his life and his career. Um, when is that set to come out, Wyatt? Do, do you have any news on that? Uh, there was no date. They just that was the thing I read today. From so it got out of development hell at least. Yeah, it's Greenland. What is it's Greenland? What is going to be the like climactic moment? <laughs> Of the, is it going to be the Syracuse the, National Championship? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from there. It'll be the Knicks game, that Knicks game when he hit like two threes in a row. With a hand in his face? And Yeah, with a yeah, hand in his mm-hmm. face, yep. Or maybe, maybe Jeremy Lin. Was he there when Jeremy Lin was there? It'll be the Linsanity. It won't even be about him. <laughs> <laughs> the whole third episode is just Linsanity. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then lastly, in the entertainment, the sports entertainment world, Netflix re- released the first part of a Manti Teo documentary. I've, I was not aware of this one, but it was told again right before the show. Did you watch it, Lucas? No. <laughs> okay. Nice. Oh, I saw it right before the show was going on, too. I was just, oh. like, scrolling through Twitter, and I saw some tweets about it, so. Nice. You know. Well. Like Lucas, thank you listeners for choosing the show over that, or choosing our show over the Netflix show. <laughs> Let's dive into it here. Uh, in a previous episode, a very recent episode, maybe the last one, we examine how well NBA Summer League success predicts NBA regular season success. What about the NFL preseason? Aiden, uh, I'll ask you here first. Is preseason success or struggle an accurate predictor of regular season success or struggle on like a team or individual level mm-hmm. at all? <clears throat> Yeah, and I have a tall task here, living up to Bart's uh, summer league analysis. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to start with the team stuff, and then we can discuss that and move on. But um, to start with team TLDR, it's not a great predictor. I feel like we all kind of thought that anyways. Um, a study of preseason data from 2002 to 2012, so this is a little bit old, found that teams that went 2-2 two and two in the preseason ended up doing the best in general of all teams. So teams that went 0-4 in the preseason um, also typically did better than teams that went 1-3 in the preseason. 4-0 teams and 3-1 teams, as I kind of alluded to earlier, did worse than um, 2-2 teams. These trends are weird, and they likely don't mean that much beyond pointing out that the preseason is a bit random. Um so one interesting thing, though, is that um, from twenty from 2009 to 2019, each of the Super Bowl champions went 
two and two or better in the preseason. So there seems to be some takeaway here that generally like good teams are not awful in the preseason, though there are exceptions to that exemplified by the past two preseasons where the Chiefs in 2019 won the Super Bowl after going one and three in the preseason and the Rams went 0 and three last year before winning the Super Bowl. So so there's that. On the other side of things, well, it seems that elite teams are generally not terrible in the preseason. There's very little data to indicate that being really good in the preseason like actually means anything. Like if you're a dominant preseason team, it's not really a reason for teams to be kind of shaken in their boots to, to play. And we can see that. And there are some good classic examples of this, including the 2008 Lions, who went 0-16 and went 4-0 in the preseason. And the 2017 Browns, the same. 4-0 in the preseason, 0-16 in the regular season. Uh, so, anyways, the the general lack of relationship between preseason and regular season success also makes sense given that coaches are just not optimizing for wins in the preseason. They're making decisions in the name of evaluating and developing talent, not in the name of winning. So you're not going to have... They're not trying to really win these games, and as a result, you're not going to see... Like the truly elite teams kind of consistently be better. Yeah. I think just like even looking further back, I looked like at like the last, you know, number of Super Bowl winners too. And like at that point, like it just like there's no correlation whatsoever. So, Aiden, you looked at, you said you mentioned the Rams and the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, no correlation between their sort of preseason failures and their eventual Super Bowl success. But. You look at the Bucks too. They had no preseason because of COVID, so it couldn't mm-hmm. be a predictor. So we'll eliminate that. <laughs> but like, the Patriots were like pretty good in their preseason when they won in twenty eighteen, three and one. But then the Eagles in twenty seventeen were two and two. So it just like like you said, like even if two and two is the best predictor of wins, like there just seems to be no sort of correlation. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think team wise, at least on that basis, we should be taking away too much because it just I don't know. Like Aiden, you said, there's no optimization for wins. The point of preseason games is to like. sort of see what you can get out of the players that you have at every level whether it be first string second string all the way sort of down the depth chart and decide who your roster picks are going to be and i think that sort of gets into the the player prediction aspect of it too where it's like in terms of like player prediction like you know with mahomes or brady you're never really going to get a predictor of how their season's going to go just because they won't play that much like you know who they are you're not going to risk them getting injured in the preseason, but I think it is indicative in the sense of, like, it'll help you determine who is on the roster. So the guys who are sort of rounding out the roster at the bottom, then it is indicative, but I think that's really sort of the only way in which you see the preseason being useful is the, like, okay, you find out who those marginal roster guys are who might contribute to your team going forward. And I really do want, like, I have more to say on the individual performance aspect, but I, I really do wonder... Do coaches, I imagine they weight what they're seeing on a day-to-day basis in training camp more than they're weighting what they see in the preseason just based on sample size. Um, There's just, you know, guys in the preseason are going to be playing a quarter of the snaps, half of the snaps, generally at most. So it just, it's hard to really take anything away from data of that size. Mm -hmm. Yeah, The, the best thing you could do maybe is look at week three games only since that's traditionally when the starters mm. start for like at least mm-hmm. half the game mm-hmm. and i did see some super sketchy reddit post <laughs> somebody tried to break it down and they did see that like the winners of week, th- week three games typically have a clear better win percentage in the regular season mm-hmm. than the losers do 
but mm. that's still like that's like one very <laughs> that makes sense yeah but yeah 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 just like what everybody else is saying it typically yeah doesn't really matter yeah on the like individual performance front a couple of things i was looking at i found a study of 2019 preseason data so this is nice. one year we shouldn't make sweeping generalizations based <laughs> on it but we're going to uh specifically it was around pff grades in the preseason compared to those in the regular season which is i think a good idea uh for a comparison but anyway um i found that the correlation existed between success in terms of like a good pff grade in the regular season and one in the preseason but it was it's extremely weak um everything was measured in the correlation coefficient of like zero indicates that there's no correlation between two things. Negative one indicates a perfect negative relationship. 1.0 would indicate a perfect positive relationship between two variables. Um, and for defenders, this coefficient was 0.11. And for people on offense, it was 0.09. So both of these, while positive, are far below even what's considered the threshold for like a weak relationship, which is like 0.3. Um, you know that for all positions, the relationship was positive, just very weak. Um, Though I'd imagine that this data is somewhat brought down by the fact that, like, in the preseason, a third stringer is mainly playing against third stringers, and if they do see playing time in the regular season for whatever reason, they're obviously going to have a worse grade then because they're likely facing first stringers. Uh, so for starters, you know, for week three guys, you know, who are playing the first or second quarter kind of thing, it's possible that that relationship is stronger. Um, and for QBs in particular interestingly enough it was higher it was like 0.2 um and if we look at like rookie qbs on like a case-by-case -case basis over the past few years you can you can see a connection uh since 2015 if you look at the rookie qbs with at least 60 dropbacks in the preseason the top five in terms of pff grades are in order mac jones mahomes alex mago baker and dak so pick which one is not like the others. Stack. is because he's, I've never. He's now in the USFL, and his performance. He was on PFF's all rookie team for that preseason in 2018, oh. and he didn't even make the Seahawks roster. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which is tough. No. So that's that yeah, like yeah. an Indictment of the Seahawks management. I know. Yeah, it's, I really yeah, exactly. am curious as to this case, but he's he's in the USFL. Uh, but besides that, like that's good company three of those four have made the pro bowl baker is the one who didn't um and he certainly could have in 2020 not that he's elite but those are like good qbs so i thought that was kind of interesting that the ones who really kind of dominate it seems like tend to be obviously a small sample size but um tend to be some of the ones who have panned out <clears throat> And hear this too. Alex Mago was the quarterback of the USFL champions this year. Hey, there we go. Green I know. Stallion, Where is so? Oh, He's better than the Seahawks' current quarterbacks. Let's let's get <laughs> exactly. Honest, yeah. We'll get into that later. How well does <laughs> we get in our power rankings? Predict USFL skill. <laughs> That's what <laughs> we're here for. We're Johnny Manziel at yeah. Anyway. I couldn't have done any research better than that, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was I incredible. Try. I try. Yeah. Just an aided masterclass. 
No, I really didn't do any of that analysis on my own. That was all other people's analyses, kind of combining them. I downloaded like a database of NFL stuff, and then I found out oh. that it hadn't been updated since 2017 or 2018. I was like, oh, I guess I should just outsource this a bit and see what other people have done. So mm. Nice. It's okay. A good literature review is important. Exactly. We'll call it, yeah, we'll call it a literature review. That's that's very kind. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And because, you know, you're just taking all that data together, you're making it work, and that's what we're here for. (laughs) Also, it does not even look like Alex Mago was the starting quarterback for the Stallions. What? Buddy. That's tough. I was buying my jersey right now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I heard the keys clicking. He got some snap. Yeah, he got some snaps in the championship game against the Philadelphia Stars. Um, there you go. That's because the other quarterback got, I think, hurt a little bit. I watched a little bit of the game. Um, but I think that's... You did? That's Our USFL <laughs> correspondent. Yeah. The exactly. Philadelphia team was, Side the Philadelphia team was in the championship. I had to support, you know? So. The only but football yeah, so. where the Philadelphia team will be in the champion. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Wait till we get to the power rankings. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Speaking of, good transition. Let's go into these NFL power rankings. Uh, we've oh, seen a little bit of football. Why, you had some stuff? Just a tiny bit of data. That go, I'm go ahead. I'm literally doing it on the fly right now. I don't have any <laughs> hard numbers, but, I will, but I'm looking at this and consider this skewed if you want to. New hires, because I was, you can't judge new hires in the 2020 season because they didn't have a preseason, so I did judge them what their 2021 season is. All coaches that were hired, if they had a below – 500 record in the preseason that carried over into the regular season. So Joe Judge, Matt Rule, um, Urban Meyer all had below 500 records in the three games they played in 2021. While Brandon Staley, on the other hand, did have an above 500 record in the preseason, and he did have an above 500 record in the uh, regular season as well. There you go. So that was that was what I'm doing this live right now. As I look up the different names, new coaches feel That's more very compelled to try yeah. to win in the preseason because it's like you you would bet that they would. But yeah, yeah, one would think. Yeah, yeah. maybe you still would want to evaluate your players though first, <laughs> so that you can win regular season games. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe Judge playing Daniel Jones into the fourth. Quarter. Exactly. <laughs> Just Dan- yeah, games. Daniel Jones had a really good preseason. His um, his rookie year. Yeah. Oh, his, he, oh, he his was, rookie year. He was, yeah, exactly. His rookie he was, year was insane. Yeah, I he was on the all-rookie team. Yeah. Like Peyton Manning yeah. when, they, when we had yeah. drafted him. Peyton Manning. Well, he, yeah. he, beat, uh, yeah. he, he beat the Buccaneers in like a late dry, comeback drive uh, his rookie season. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> Same thing. Another point. Kevin Stefanski, he was 3-0 mm. in the preseason, his first preseason, mm-hmm. and they were above 500 in the regular season. So yeah. keep your eyes peeled yeah. for this regular season. Yeah. Yeah, who are the new hires? Yeah, watch them. Exactly. Well, let's get into a couple teams that we think are going to do their jobs really well this year, just like those first-year coaches. Uh, we've seen a little bit of football from each team, but projecting into the season, let's power rank who we think are going to be the 10 best teams in the league. I know Wyatt's excited about this. So he got, he, he gets the first overall pick. Who do you think is going to be the best team in the league? The Lions were also 0-3 in the preseason. Oh, I thought <laughs> last year. Yeah, I really thought, yeah. The Detroit Lions at number one. <laughs> Look, I watched that one Dan episode Campbell. of Hard Knocks. I, I was, when, when Jamal Williams was saying, 
if you're a piss like puppy, stay on the porch and let the big dog. I was standing up in my living room. I was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you also see? You're ready to what? Break some singing Billy Jean. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bury it. Take him to the deep end and, and bury him. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be a good hard knock. So I know. You just got to make stuff up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the clear number one team is Buffalo. I think the mm-hmm. right now, out of all the teams, we love the new and shiny with the Chargers and the Broncos. But the Buffalo is one of the only teams that not only maintained a lot of their really good players, but they also added some talent as well with guys like Von Miller, of course. Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen are still together. Josh Allen is in competition for the best quarterback in the league, if you don't already think so. Uh, I think he is already. And, of course, as far as the defense goes, they added Kyra Lamb in the draft, which I think is going to be a pretty talented corner. I will always back corners who are drafted out of Florida, as well as the two, two of the best safety duos in the league, uh, a fantastic corner in Tredavious White, fantastic D-line in, in the linebacker core. So I think that they're going to be really good this year. They'll probably end up not only clearing the division, but probably winning the AFC. I think it's a good pick. I think there are a few concerns, though, about the defense that I was reading about, too. Kyrie Elam especially has apparently gotten torched in camp. I saw that over <laughs> and over and that's over rookies, again. That's what so. rookies do in camp. But when I saw what I think he did in the preseason, he was doing really well, like in a game. In a preseason game. But preseason evidently doesn't matter. <laughs> so, well, it's a weak, a very weak correlation. Yeah, what's the what's the coefficient? Tell us. <laughs> anyway. yeah. For defense, it was point one one. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I think it was point one one. So, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the coefficient is for Elon. Yeah, yeah. 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 they were mine. Yeah, the, the so. bills are, yeah. Uh, uh, there you go, Bart. Yeah, at, at two, I am just going to take, I think, what's probably an obvious pick. I'm going to go with the Rams, the Super Bowl yeah. champs. I think that the the roster is pretty close to the same. I mean, like, obviously, they, they lost one, I would say, one key player in Von Miller. I'm not going to call OBJ a key loss for them. What? Uh, I mean, in the playoffs, he kind of turned it on. In the regular season, he played eight games mm-hmm. for them. He averaged 38 yards a game. So I don't think that's that significant. Obviously, as we talked about recently, they picked up a stud in Allen Robinson, and he's—I I mean, he's going to be a huge upgrade over what OBJ did for them. And then defensively, they also snagged Bobby Wagner to fill out their linebacker yeah. core. So, like an already strong defense gets stronger. But for the most part, like this is a Super Bowl roster that is pretty much this, like very close to the same. Uh, I know they did lose, you know, Kevin O'Connor to the Vikes, so maybe their offense will take a step down, but. I, I think they, they deserve, I've said this before, a Super Bowl, at least a team that was in the Super Bowl, deserves the benefit of the doubt until they prove that they're not good anymore. And I don't see a reason why they wouldn't be, except for the Stafford elbow thing. He's, mm. like, feeling some stuff in his in his throwing arm elbow, and that could derail their whole season completely if he, if he um, has to miss significant time. But other than that, yeah. I'm high on the Rams. Yeah, I had the Rams at number one, because I just think for sort of a reason you mentioned, Bart, where it's like, I think until they prove themselves otherwise, they kind of deserve to be number one. And, like, it would have taken something really dramatic in my mind to drop them from number one since they won the Super Bowl last year. Mm. And nothing dramatic really happened in mm. the offseason. Like, mm. they lost a few pieces. They added a few pieces. But, like, the core of that team is still the same. So I think, like, one or two is a very fair ranking for the Rams as well. What's a fair ranking for three, Lucas? I'm glad you asked. Um, I actually got my number three team at three. It's not the Eagles. Um, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think that, again, the Chiefs return one of the best rosters in the NFL. They're a team that almost went to the Super Bowl last year, lost in the AFC Championship, and then before that made the two previous Super Bowls, winning in 2020. I think Mahomes remains probably the best quarterback in the NFL. You can make some 
you know, talk about Josh Allen, like why I alluded to earlier. But I think just based on pure talent and experience and like history in the past, Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the NFL. They've one of the best coaches in the NFL still in Andy Reid. And they did lose a really big piece in Tyreek Hill, which is what I think keeps them from being maybe one or two in these rankings. But reports from camp are pretty good on Sky Moore, um, sort of filling that role. Mm-hmm. So I think that that could have slotted nicely. They have one of the best pass-catching tight ends in the NFL still, and Travis Kelsey. And um, Frank Clark, a defensive end, apparently cut down on a bunch of weight, is looking really good in camp, uh, which will help the defense as well. So I think, again, the Chiefs roster largely intact from the last four to five years of dominance at this point. So I think that alone gives them a shot at the top three. So I'll put them at three. I also think the, the the Patrick, or excuse me, the Chiefs, like them going lower in people's minds just because Tyreek Hill left, I think is a little bit overblown. As far as mm-hmm. everything goes, they really only lost Tyreek Hill in comparison. Yeah. And I know that he's not next to nothing as far, but also if you're going to treat him like that big of a deal, put the Dolphins in the top ten as well. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's more how he works in combination, though, yeah. with the Chiefs than in isolation with the Dolphins. You get a free touchdown. You get like a free touchdown every other game with Tyreek Hill, just with a blown System coverage. Player. Sky Moore, Sky Moore slot him into that role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then if you play too far deep, then Ty- uh, Travis Kelsey is just gonna torch you over the middle I mean, of the field. So, no, I, like, what are you true. supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, upgraded defense. Yeah, <laughs> Aiden. <laughs> Aiden, uh, what do you got at number four? Yeah, I'm taking another kind of obvious team. I feel like the Bucks, who I had as my yeah. number three. Whoa. Tom Brady is still good. He's back. They were 13 and four last year. That was tied for the best record in the NFL, and they really haven't gotten worse. I mean, it's possible that this is the year that Tom Brady decides to age, but I'm, I'm not convinced that that'll ever happen. Reports? He looks yeah. better than ever, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh yeah, gosh. the classic <laughs> yeah, ESPN report that he definitely doesn't sign off on. Um, but anyway, yeah, and they've added Julio Jones. Like, who knows how healthy he'll be? Um, who knows how healthy their receiving core as a whole will be? Because that's yeah. always the problem. But they do have depth with Godwin and Evans and Julio Jones, Russell Gage, who they also added. So I, I'm optimistic that the Bucks can kind of run it back to some degree and at least go for one more try with Brady this year. I'm not that optimistic on the Bucks actually. Yeah, I'm a little worried about I'm a little worried about like Tom Brady retiring and then all of a sudden coming back maybe like he didn't want to and it was more for the the dolphin situation or whatever. And it's like now he's yeah. Well, now he's taking like an uh, like a pre-excused absence is also like mm. Yeah. We'll get into that later, but it's interesting. I don't know the vibes. The vibes from Tampa Bay are are off right now, and and like you said about off the wide the receivers, chain. off the chain. Uh, uh, Mike Evans is already dealing with hamstring injuries already, and they're in training. You cannot rely on Mike Evans being like, healthy for anywhere near the full season. Yeah. Just not going to happen. But I think they they got depth there. They'll yeah. be okay. Yeah, the two guys they have depth with, Julio Jones hasn't played a full season in a long time, and Chris Godwin has not played a full season in a yeah. long time. It's probability, though, Wyatt. They're, they're not all going to get injured. You know, at least one of it's them right? will stay healthy. <laughs> um, I got the fifth pick here. I actually really wanted to pick another team, but my third pick has not been picked yet, so I'm picking them here. The Los Angeles Chargers. I'm really high on them this year. Ooh. Yes, so I think like maybe they won't have like the third best record in the league because they play in the AFC West, 
but I think they could be like the third best team in the league. Obviously, I have a lot of faith in Justin Herbert from day one. Yeah. Been West Coast Pac-12 guy. Got to give him some love. But they also had like one of the best off season, maybe the best off season of any team, according to a lot of the experts. Yeah. JC Jackson at corner, and then everybody's favorite move, adding Khalil Mack. So uh, they should have an improved defense. They drafted an uh, offensive lineman in the first round as well. So I feel like. They just have all the pieces. They have a young coach. He's a defensive-minded guy, so that's, like, not a strike in the right column. But I feel like young coaches is kind of, like, the future of the league right now. So um, they have a lot rolling for them right now. So And and, and their uh, quarterback's on a rookie contract still. So that, they have a lot rolling for them. Yeah. I had the Chargers ahead of the Chiefs, which... Yeah, me too. I had the Chiefs at six. No. Yeah. So that's wrong. <laughs> Well, why? Who do you? Who who is right then to put at six? You have the six pick. <laughs> I I don't like having the six pick because why? You get the first pick. Because look, here's here's what I know. <laughs> is that, uh, this is my last pick of my our power rankings, and then I get to listen to you guys make the wrong picks from from eight, eight nine, and ten. I think Bart's gonna make a good pick. So Bart, you, oh, <laughs> I, I trust I trust yeah, Bart. I'm probably gonna. I'm probably going to take a bad pick at eight. I'll, I can I'm going to take. So what I'm saying, this is my last chance to push an agenda. I would have pushed an agenda more at eight, but now that here, I'm here at six, I got to make a decision. The San Francisco 49ers Stop. are going to be my sixth team. No. Look, here, no, I like that actually. Here's the case. They have George no. Kittle, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, and Fred Warner, who are all top 10 at their respective positions. So that means you have four top ten players at their perspective, respective uh, positions on your team. You have a coach who's probably one of the five best coaches in the league, maybe one of the three best offensive minds in the league. And look, I have said some things about Trey Lance and his expectations, and I think it's going to be really, really hard for Trey Lance to truly live up to expectations this year. But I think that he could do it, and I think that the team around him is good enough to where if upside, like if everything goes right, which I, I'm i going to bank that it does, if everything goes right, I can see them being a really, really, really good team next year or yeah. this year. I actually agree. I agree. I'm not sold. They have. They seem to have, have such a. Either. They seem to have such a safe system. <laughs> the new Colts. So. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like they have such a like well-designed system around Trey Lance that he doesn't even need to play that well. Yeah. And they'll be yeah, good. I could play quarterback for them. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. though, the, anyway, the 49ers' floor is pretty high. I yeah, feel like because of like their it. system, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about the the seventh pick here, Bart? Make White proud. <laughs> this, yeah, the pressure is on. I'm surprised <laughs> they fall this far. Uh, I'm going to take the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, appendix uh-huh. surgery notwithstanding, we've got these Super Bowl losers, and they have gotten notably better. I repeat, these Super Bowl losers, and they didn't lose anybody significant. What was their biggest weakness? The class. It was their offensive line. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously their offensive line. And then what did they do? They went out and added Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins, and a guy named Ted Karras. I don't even know who that is, but apparently he's good. (laughs) PFF said that they had the biggest improvement on the offensive line this offseason and that they are now a top 10 offensive line. They also had a little bit of sketchiness in their secondary. They went out and drafted Dax Hill in the first round. So I say again, Joe Burrow's only going to get better. Jamar Chase has had another offseason to improve. And this is a roster that lost the Super Bowl by three points. I mean, I'm, I'm very high on the Bengals, if you can't tell. So I'm happy to take them mm. at, at seven. 
Yeah, I had them at five. And I also read PF on PFF, each of the offensive linemen that they picked up had their best season, like their best PFF grade last year, too. So, so Burrow's going to make mm-hmm. them look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right, Lucas, I, I think we already know who you're picking here at eight. Just tell us. Yeah, it's the Eagles, and yeah, I don't oh think this is God. even an outside-the-box pick. Yeah, it's like, a little, it's M- it's a little NBC had them at nine. This is a you know just a slight deviation from that. I don't think it's like too crazy to pick them here, actually. I mean, you can call it a homer pick, but I think they actually do, do deserve a spot on the top ten list. Power rankings are sort of what have you done for me recently list, and the Eagles mm-hmm. went on a huge run at the end of last season mm-hmm. and made the playoffs by putting together a really, really solid roster. They had probably the best rushing attack in the NFL last year behind Jalen Hurts. And I think it should be back and better than ever this year, this rushing attack. The sort of trio of Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenny Gainwell is really good, and the offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. Plus, they upgraded their passing game, too. So the one sort of weakness on their offense. They had Devontae Smith, great wide receiver before. They added A.J. Brown in the offseason. Plus, their biggest overall struggle last year wasn't their defense, but their offense. Um, So... I think their defense is going to improve as well. Brandon Graham is back from injury, and they added Jordan Davis. So their offensive front or their defensive front, I think, is really, really good at this point. You can see the Eagles were probably a top twelve team last year. I think that's reasonable based on their spot in the playoffs, and they made some upgrades in the, this offseason to plug some gaps. So I think eight is actually a fairly reasonable ranking for them. A team that was borderline top ten at the end of last year that sort of plugs some holes. So I'm going to put the Eagles at eight. I need to see Jalen Hurts make a jump for me to put him in the top 10. <laughs> right. I, I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan, too, but I, I need to see it. I want, I want to see what Aiden says here at 9. Cause I, my, my biggest qualm with that pick, Lucas, is that there's a team still on the board that right. should have been there. That's but. what I'm thinking this whole time. I'm not, I'm not going to take them. <laughs> oh, okay. Who, I, I wonder yeah. who you, I don't even know who you're talking you're about. You're talking about actually. the Packers, right? Uh, yeah, you're talking, yeah, you're talking about the Packers. Yeah, I, I'm very tempted to take the Packers. I'm, I'm actually going to take the Ravens here. Yeah, I think that they were they were at one point last year the top seed in the AFC. They were ravaged by injuries. They had a pretty solid off season. I think Kyle Hamilton's going to be legit. Lamar Jackson's in a contract year. The contract is not finalized, or he said he will not be discussing it when the season starts. And there's not been news as to him actually finalizing anything. So I'm pretty optimistic that the Ravens will be good in the AFC. They've been pretty, cons- even if they've, you know, their postseason success has certainly been lacking. Um, but in general, they've been, a and last year was not ideal, but in general, they've been pretty consistently good. And I think that's going to continue this year. Yeah, I'm high on the Ravens as well, for all those reasons. I did forget how injury ravaged they were last year. Yeah, yeah it was cra- It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah. it was like, back. yeah, every week there was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jared, I'm interested to see which uh, agenda you push here. <laughs> All right, so I mean, look, the trend, yeah. the trend right now in the NFL, like you can't deny it, is for a quarterback that joins a new team to win in their first year. So that means the Colts, <laughs> no, the Are Panthers, you serious? no. Are you taking on the, the Browns, <laughs> Steelers, <laughs> Washington football team, Seahawks led by Drew Locke? You really enumerated no. every single one. <laughs> no, it's gonna be it's gonna be the Denver Broncos here. Oh, the, the trend oh is God. every trend is pointing that direction that is Russell Wilson and the Broncos this year you can only have one winner out of that group I'm riding with the Broncos I'm riding let's ride <laughs> <laughs> who has a, who actually has a problem with that pick though the Broncos are I do probably gonna be a legit team they're not better than the Packers who were left yeah now, when you pay your quarterback 50 million dollars a year there's only there's a cap to how good you get. I mean that's what they're paying uh, Russell Wilson they're not paying him 50 million 
Maybe not 50. Sure. <laughs> I just I do yeah. not buy into the fact that the Broncos are the sleeping giant. I mean, they they have not they have not been successful the last couple of years and Russell Wilson were the is Bucks? not the key. I mean, they were, were the Bucks successful. They were a Brady way better there? roster than what the Broncos are. Mm. No, way better between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. <laughs> like, yeah. like Court, sorry, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are not these sleeping giants. They are not like these these two receivers that have yet to be unlocked. They're just they're good, but I mean, they're not going to be like the next big offense in the league. I think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. I also don't think Russell Wilson is Tom Brady. Or he's not, yeah. He's near not Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Not very yeah. good. In terms of an aging standpoint. The Broncos will be very interesting to watch, though, this year. The so whole division yeah. is just. Yeah. AFC yeah. West is going to be crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. They'll just like cannibalize each other. Seven so or eight be, yeah. best teams in the AFC. Jared, I think yeah, you feel like there's chance. no way that the. There's a higher yeah. chance the Broncos finish last than, than they do first. Mm. I think the Raiders are definitely the worst team in the division. No, I think the Raiders are better. Mm. I would book That's it. I'm going to book it. The Raiders finish higher. <laughs> yeah, I and think I Broncos? agree with you, okay. Wyatt, that okay. they have a higher chance of finishing last. I don't think they're going to finish last. I agree, though. I don't I agree think they're going to finish first. Well, we'll see. I cannot think of a smooth transition out of this. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. <laughs> if you like everything you heard, why don't you go ahead and rank us first on your list and leave us a five-star review. Um, go ahead and follow us as well on our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at lunchpellguys underscore. We appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you all later this week.